Welcome to the Adventures in the Sky podcast, sharing inspiring stories to empower you to be dreamers and doers. For the sky's the limit. Proudly presented by Flying Phillies, an uplifting historical adventure book inspired by the women Air Force service pilots, Wasp of World War II. As America's female aviation pioneers, the Wasp are the original power girls. Hi, I'm Christy Hui, author of Flying Phillies. In every episode, you'll hear stories from the Wasp, kin of Wasp, women aviator pioneers sharing their secrets to success. Their trials and tribulations pave their inner journey to becoming trailblazers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Flying Phillies Adventures in the Sky. I am so delighted to be having a conversation with Debbie McRae, the daughter of Wasp Susie Winston Vane. I am so happy to be seeing you today on our podcast, and I met you at the WASP Homecoming. Would you mind giving our audience a little introduction of yourself? Uh, yes. Hi. Um, my name is uh, Debbie Bain McRae. I am Susie um, Winston Bain's daughter, currently residing in Austin, Texas. I have a little small landscaping business. I like to think that I learned a lot about plants from my um, beloved mother, who besides flying was also an absolute fabulous master gardener. So we've been putting seeds in the ground since I was about five years old. I have three children, um, one of which was wonderful enough to attend a memorial service that we did for my mother. Um, back in April in Sweetwater, Texas, which is where she was able to get her wings um, back in 1944. So, you know, I was at that museum on that day and witnessing the ash scattering ceremony in the homecoming events. I love to talk about that with you. What was going through your mind as you witnessed this sacred ceremony over Avenger Field? You know, it's so hard to put into words to tell you the truth and not 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 tear up about it. The irony of it is, if there's anything funny, uh, is that the wind, you know, was so gusty. It came out of like absolutely nowhere um, because it was very sunny day prior to is what most people had, had told us. And it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 21 mile per hour winds. And so... As doing a celebration, you know, of her life, so to speak, and the memorial with um, spreading the ashes on Avenger Field that she and I had talked about that I wanted to do for her. And back when she was living, she was, no, honey, that's just, that's too involved and too hard. And nobody has time to do that. And I said, oh, yeah, I definitely have time to do that. And I'm going to make time to do that. So it took us a while to get down there because she actually left us in 2017. You know, we finally got down there, but the wind again was so strong. So we say that she was uh, kind of flapping her wings up in the sky, you know, and looking down on us. So with that um, kind of the tears were able to stop and, you know, a big smile came upon my face and, the most beautiful thing was all of the people, all the many, many people that came around um, the flagpole area and, you know, helped to be part of this memorial service, along with my son and, and my boyfriend and other uh, fellow uh, WASP members and families. Yeah, it was definitely very sacred. And uh, yes, it yes. was super windy i remember that <laughs> it's yeah. going every way and every which way it definitely tells us the place where they were trained right exactly and just to paint the picture even further they could not even fold the flag they had to fold the flag 
you know, the co the color guards inside of the building in order to get the the flag uh, flown. I mean, excuse me, folded properly. And you're right, though it's it's almost like her spirit. I know. I'm telling is, you, is there right? <laughs> yep, she pretty much has the last word in anything, <laughs> whether she's yeah living or flying above us. <laughs> she's she there. Yes, her presence was definitely felt. I, I was there. It was like remarkable. <laughs> now, so your mom actually had that wish, and she told you about that wish before she passed. No, um, no. Actually, you know, when we were, we were, it's so sad to do, but it's something that you know I encourage all families to do, and and definitely it's just something that needs to be done. You know, where you have that conversation and you and you decide, you know, at the time of her death, you know, how does she want, especially, you know, does she want a military funeral, et cetera. And what we did here in Austin for her, we had many celebrations in her honor, but um, at the church that she's been going to for well over 30 years, we had a the military service there. And there was a little fun story about that too, because the minister said that she forgot to tell the neighborhood, all the neighborhood about having the service there. And so when they did the uh, the three gun salute, <laughs> it kind of, um, it made some neighbors wild up a little bit that weren't aware of what was going on, you know. But as far as Sweetwater's concerned, we went to the homecoming and, you know, it was her decision to, to be uh, cremated and I had spoken with uh, my other siblings and told them that I think that this was a good thing for us to do. And it just felt, you know, it just felt like it was the right thing to do. So we did, you know, so, what, so we didn't have any huge conversation about it other than the fact that she just wanted her any kind of memorial service for her to be as, you know, kind of smooth as possible and not my mother, I think one of the, most beautiful it's so hard to talk about this and not tear up i'm trying to keep us keep it together okay um she was just such a remarkable beautiful beautiful young woman and mother and friend and you just can't say enough words about her you know um but and pilot of course too um but she i think her probably number one besides being very funny, amazing characteristic about her would be how humble she was. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the world today, we really need a lot more of that. You know, she was absolutely never one of those kind of people asking for anything from anybody ever, you know, even all the way up to her, how her funeral would be handled. And it was to me a no brainer that we were going to have a military service because it was, it, you know, it was just the least way of honoring her, I think. And then, you know, with having her ashes here in our home for so many years, I just kept looking at the homecoming and thinking we need to do this. And so we, we finally did. And it was just, it just, I'm so glad we did. And, you know, we had an opportunity to speak for the group again, because it was so windy. They took that whole service inside, you know, the breakfast area where people spoke in terms of uh, their loved ones that had been in the wasp and, you know, shared stories and, and laugh. I mean, laughter is a huge part mm -hmm. of it. We have to laugh, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and they have so many amazing funny stories as well that it's hard to record all of them, you know. But I think each time that you have an opportunity to go to one of the Wasp homecomings, you hear of a new story, as well as, you know, the courage that all of these women had uh, during a time that this was kind of even unheard of, you know. Yeah, I definitely think that you've done a great thing, an honorable, respectful thing for your mom. And just being there, just to feel, you could feel the, the honor and the tribute paid to these women, the wasp and your mom. So kudos to you and your family for doing that. And of course, the National Wasp Museum uh, for putting up such an, you know, a sacred and solemn ceremony. 
Right. And uh, really what, what completely um, just was so touching was, you know, as soon as you walked into the museum area, they had this absolutely beautiful, which they're still keeping. I guess you would call it like kind of, well, it was, you know, in honor of her, but it was a, let's just call it a display for lack of anything else to say, you know, of, of all of her pictures and, you know, some uh, description on where each picture took place and what was going on within the picture. So those could continue to be, you know, recorded as part of the, the history of the wasp families. Mm-hmm. Now, every wasp who joined the wasp program, I've learned that they have a unique story. Does your mom have her? What's your mom's story? How does she join um, the WASP program? Oh, okay. Well, this is kind of interesting because I always ask her that too. Let me back up for a second. I just want to share that many times people would say, you know, what's it like being a, a you know daughter or child of the WASP? And she really never said anything. Honest to God, she said she would just say, I, you know, I flew planes. And again, this is part of her almost being too humble, you know? <laughs> Because we wanted to know what happened, you know, what do you mean you just flew planes? And that was pretty much it. Because she was a Southern woman. She was never a Southern belle, that's for sure. But she was a Southern woman. And pretty much back then in that era, you know, when she was married to my dad, they she took kind of the back seat. Let's just call it that, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so some of her funny stories, and I think this is the funniest one. Do you want me just to share a story or? Yeah, I would love to hear that. And and most women in that era, 80 years ago, do yeah. that, right? I mean, that's that's the life. Oh, exactly. It was. And it was so funny because, I mean, once we really learned, you know, all of the courageous and, you know, her dedication, we always knew of her dedication to World War II and, and also just to the servicemen and how they needed to have help and ferrying the planes or towing targets and, and all of those kind of things, but didn't really get a chance to catch in on any of the stories until she finally let her hair down, so to speak, and, you know, started talking to some reporters and, and others and, you know, being recorded in magazines and going to the University of Texas on multiple occasions for presentations, etc. And um, before I share a story, which I'll, of course, never be able to do it any justice like she can, because, you know, she was the original pilot, but I'll do the best I can. But people would say, you know, Susie, you should have been on the David Letterman show or something because you're really funny, you know, and some of the women that were up on the panel with her would have to be cued in on what to say and everything. And she would just like, you know, roll with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the funniest ones was they were on a mission and unfortunately the clouds came in, the weather was really inclement and it was unsettled and she had to land the plane somewhere. (laughs) So she landed it in a field. Uh, I think they said it was like a cabbage field or something. She saw a big enough space where she thought, well, I can just land for a while and we can figure out what's, what's the next best step to do. Well, during this whole procedure, she lost contact with the air control, you know, yeah, air control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Air control. And so um, here she is landing the plane And she saw kind of out in the distance, like a little farmhouse or something. This man came running out with a shotgun (laughs) and he's like, he's like, what are you aliens doing on my land or something like that? And and she takes off like, you know, you would in the movies or something, her helmet, her hair's flying free. And he goes, oh my God, you're a woman. (laughs) I just love this story. And it even gets better because he goes, you must be hungry and, you know, that kind of thing. And so then she and her co-pilot at the time went in and they still don't have any, you know, communication to the air control. So at this point, they have a plane missing and two people missing and they're not exactly sure where they are. So mom was just kind of for a brief second, you know, getting a sip of water and, you know, enjoying herself a little bit and relaxing, really, until the weather kind of settled in. And then she realized, she's like, oh, my God, I got to call air control and let them know that we're alive. And well, <laughs> she didn't get shot at, did she? Yeah, in some farmer's house. 
in the cabbage patch in uh in new orleans and so anyway so that, that's hilarious I, but she yeah, didn't get shot at right the plane the farmer didn't shoot the plane no didn't shoot the plane and and was <laughs> but you know it is really a clip like you could see on a, a film or something you know just a little small episode but um, what, what was her favorite plane um, the B twenty sixes by far. She wow. definitely liked the B twenty sixes, and she said it was that uh, was the B twenty six Marauder. And and as she told me at one of the homecomings that we attended, I want to say it was back around twenty fifteen or so, about or, or maybe earlier, but right prior to her death. Um, but um, she would say, and she was actually interviewed that night too, you know? Um, and so the interview that took place that night that was down at Sweetwater is recorded in the Texas Historical Commission in Austin, Texas, just a little voiceover of a segment that they did on World War II. So I just wanted to add that, but she would, she said to me that night, she said, you know, honey, it wasn't all like, glorious or anything like some people portray it to be she said I was only you know five feet tall and weighed about a hundred pounds and they put these zoot suit things on us and I had to roll it up just to even be able to get to the pedal you mm -hmm. know to start the plane and she said that sometimes she would literally have to crawl in from the backside of the plane and crawl her way in instead of being able to you know kind of open the the door and get into the um the cockpit and such. Um, was, she, was she underweight? Um, did she meet Well, she wasn't really underweight. She was mm -hmm. just always very tiny, you know, very petite woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think she was underweight, but those, but she said the zoot suits were just, and just ginormous, you know. And I've yeah, seen they're 44 L. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And a little bit bigger for her, so she'd have to roll mm -hmm. them all the way up to her knees. But I really think the most comical thing, if you would say it was comical, is I would ask her when I was younger, you know, I said, mom, you can't literally find your way out of a paper bag. So in Greensboro, North Carolina, where we spent a large part of our lives where she got married, you know, to my father, we had a, like just a shopping center area. And it might've been like ballpark, I don't know, 15 miles from our house or something. And I swear she would get lost on the way to the shopping center. And I'm saying, you know, how in the world could you possibly fly, you know, a B-26 Marauder and you can't, you know, go from point A to B. And she goes, oh, it was real easy, honey. The, the controls were right in front of me. That was literally her answer. <laughs> that was pretty funny too but you know so we have just you know a lot of stories of that nature that she shared with us but it's it's so it's I just love all of these women and how courageous all of them were and how you know they set such an incredible example for um for young ladies that really want to pursue their future dreams you know whatever it may be yeah they're they're unstoppable yeah. Did your mom know how to fly before she joined the WASP? Well, of course, you know, you have the training program and everything. Is that what you mean? Or, oh, no, yeah. she had Did, Like, was she a pilot before she joined the WASP program? Or oh, she no. learned how to fly during the WASP program? Yeah, she learned how to fly during the WASP program. The WASP, yeah. Uh, her love for flying the B-26. That's really remarkable because... You know, not all of the WASP were trained on the B-26. Exactly. Well, and then the times were so hard back then, you know, so um, she was working uh, and hated every minute of it. No, no offense, but at this, uh, the accounting firm, Deloitte & Touche in Houston, and oh. she was making, you know, $85 a month, I believe it was. And she told them, she goes, I have to make, $95. You have to give me a $10 raise. And her boss was like, well, why do I have to do that? And she goes, because I'm going to flight school, you know, <laughs> and the only way I can go to flight school is I have to afford it. And, you know, and he was like, he, he kind of just uh, sat back apparently and grinned a little bit and said, well, I guess you have to do what you must do, you know. And so he actually did give her the raise. And then, of course, she went to the um, flight school. What is amazing to me is when, you know, of the story, you know, is when um, Jackie Cochran and Nancy Love 
who were both women, of course, at the time, wanting the same dream, you know, which was to open it up so the women could fly, that the numbers are just astounding. You know, 28,000 uh, women uh, actually applied. Mm-hmm. 25,000 applied. Yeah, 25,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I believe 1,800 and something uh, actually went to school. And mm-hmm. then 1,100 graduated. Yeah, yeah right. that's remarkable. I know. Yeah. And then just to think of those numbers, you know, mm-hmm. do the math, it's it's pretty, pretty remarkable to have that person <laughs> as your mm-hmm. mother. <laughs> You right. know, <laughs> well, yeah. what is she? What's the one thing she always say about being a wasp to you? Well, I'm going to be really candid on this one because I think it's important. So she wanted to be recorded in history that it wasn't so much as that she was a woman pilot. Okay, so she was taking away that it was simply that she was a pilot that she had gotten her wings and that she was, you know, successful in that, but that she was able to serve the country, you know, and that, uh, that the school was, was uh, very tedious and a lot of long hours. And she would describe Sweetwater as full of rattlesnakes, you know, <laughs> as they it do is. that, you know, <laughs> snake roundup or whatever it is, something, you know, of that nature there in Sweetwater is known for rattlesnakes. And a lot of dust piles. And I think that's, again, tying it full circle back into her uh, ceremony there on Adventure The People. wind. The wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the wind. Where's the wind mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. us next, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, she was just always a very, very uh, strong, determined person, as she likes to say, who just believed that, you know, you have to do what's right. And that as individuals, we all know the right thing to do. And it's important that we also follow our dreams and our heart. And I think that she did, you know. Yeah, she wanted to do her part. It's yeah. not about I'm a woman and I want to be a pilot, a woman pilot. Right. But her motivation was to support the war, if I'm hearing it's- you correctly. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah, that's exactly what her motivation was. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was in school at the University of Texas. She was the head um, head of her sorority, and they were doing a little cheer at the time that they sounded out that, you know, Pearl Harbor had just uh, gotten bombed. And that was a really earth-shattering moment for her and many others. And that's when she fully made up her mind that she was going to do whatever she could to do her part to, you know, serve in the country. That's a remarkable time, isn't it? That really rallied the whole country. Men, yes. women, children, galvanized everyone's spirit and effort to help out with the, the war. Did she ever talk to you about some of the biggest challenges she faced during her WASP training? So in our family, just the physical side of the women in our family, we always have had, you know, we have really strong legs. And like my grandmother, which she was the oldest female of nine children in her family, if that makes sense. Okay. And so we called her, we nicknamed her sister. And that was my mother's mother. She would always be say, you know, be proud to stand on your feet, you know, because no matter how small or big they are, they're your feet, you're walking on it, you know, it's your path. And so the same with, with, uh, with mom. So very strong legs, but upper body was just not, we would, we just, you know, and, and as many women, actually, you know, we, it's, it's, we're not necessarily born with upper body strength, upper body strength. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So as in training, you know, she kept going by the chin-ups, you know, we have to hold the bar, which is hard enough as is, because we also have pretty bad arthritis in the family. And so gripping things is not the easiest of tasks, you know? And so she had to grip the bar like anybody does, you know, for a chin-up. And it was just quite the struggle for her to get her chin (laughs) right over that bar, you know? So that's what she would say was of all the training skills and uh, drills that they had, that was her most challenging. That would have been mine too. 
because oh, I could oh, never believe. pull myself up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Exactly. Up. Yeah. Was there any scariest things that your mom ever did as a wasp? I mean, getting shot at is pretty scared. But any- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she really ever shared any stories along those lines. No, I don't think, I, and, you know, and I've looked back at many of the different, you know, the books. I want to, I want to, probably this is a good segue. There's a book I was looking at. It's called, is it, it's, it's okay to talk about this, The Voices of the Silent Generation by of Barbara, course. Mm-hmm. Barbara Ballet Moran. And on page 72, I'm just going to read what it says because it's kind of interesting. It says, the wasp transported personnel and supplies toward aerial gunnery targets and ferrying war-worn planes home. Former wasp Susie Bain describes occasional acts of sabotage and the pilots need to find their own way home after delivering aircraft. I, I don't know if that's necessarily this. It's scary for many of them, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it was horrifying. Yeah, well, they, they were playing a role that the society wasn't ready for. Oh, right? for sure. And was yeah. surprising yeah. in many, many towns. And I've heard it so many stories of the WASP pilots landed in small towns and dressed in these zoot suits and only to have hotel owners or motel owners, you know, wouldn't deny them from having a room for overnight. <laughs> and, yes. uh, you know, so all those kind of things pile up because how are you going to spend the night at this town, make your way home, right? If you don't even allow to check in to a hotel and just simple things like that. Exactly. I do have another story I want to share. Um, Absolutely. I was so fortunate that during the latter part of her life, I was able to take care of her. And it, you know, it's it's so sad to see such a strong willed and, um, and I don't mean strong willed in a nasty way, you know, just a, she's just very assertive. Let's say that (laughs) Uh, we're a person taking care of herself for many years. So (laughs) when she got to the point where it was difficult for her to drive and, to do things that, you know, we tend to take for granted until the age hits us where we, it's just, and I'm talking like almost all the way to like 93 years of age, you know, but, but um, when I first started taking, uh, taking care of her and it's, you know, it's kind of where the, they, there's actually a book on this too, but it's called um, when roles reverse, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that's just the kind of a natural flow of life. You know, she never really had, um, any kind of, not only say accolades, but, you know, benefits, so to speak, as a result from, you know, serving in World War II, okay? Because, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, I mean, there was actually a fire that took place. A lot of the records were um, were lost, DD-214 numbers, et cetera, et cetera, things of that nature. And so, you know, it was really hard to prove that, she was actually, you know, uh, a pilot during this time. And this is what took place. And this is when she served, you know, so all of those, that paperwork, it was essential to have. Anyway, so we were sitting around the kitchen table one day and she said, well, let me just call down to the Veterans Administration and and, and I'll just see, because it never hurts to just to, you know, to check out and see if she has any benefits as a result of serving in World War II. Okay. And we're talking like pension and, and things of that nature. So she called and, and, and definitely medical, right? To be able to be on the VA medical policy. Mm-hmm. So, so she called and for all I know, mom was a, just an amazing woman in almost everything she did, but sometimes she would tend to not necessarily talk to exactly the right people for the right <laughs> subject that she was looking for. And so she called down there and she asked, um, and I don't even know to this day who it was, but she had mentioned that she, and she was a little kind of, when it came to talking about herself, um, she wasn't very assertive. I want to use that word. I know I said the word assertive earlier, but when it comes to talking about herself, she's not that assertive, you know? And so she would feel like, well, you know, I don't 
there's not anything. I don't know why you would think that there would be any benefit as a result of serving in World War II. Anyway, long story short, mm -hmm. he called down there and he goes, well, yes, let me just check just one more, one more second. Now, what, what division did you serve in? And she said, I was in the class, you know, 44W4. And what year? She said, 1944, et cetera. And so he puts down the phone. And again, for all I know, this was the janitor talking. <laughs> talking to. I don't know. And puts down the phone. He comes back on and he goes, well, yes, ma'am. As a matter of fact, we have checked. And you do have half of a burial plot. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of humorous because we, she was like, Oh, so I can bury half of my body, but not the other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm pretty sure either he's pulling your leg or I don't know who the heck you're talking to, you know, so anyway, we managed to get all the document and data, dot our I's, cross our T's, put together a whole platform of, you know, pictures and everything, and so here we are sitting in the VA's office, and I'm telling you, probably 75% of the people around us were men. Maybe, maybe even 85% of the people were men old, and substantially older men. And there we sitting and we're waiting to be seen in the VA office to see if there's something more than just half of her body to be able to be buried, you know, in the spot. And um, <laughs> it was just like, it was just crazy. And the woman was so sweet. So finally we got hold of the right person, which was an act of Congress. And basically her first question to us was, well, how bad did I, how bad have we done, you know, because she knew that sometimes, I mean, just like any other kind of service, sometimes, you know, mistakes happen and things are overlooked and you talk to the wrong people and et cetera, et cetera. And then from that point forward, they, they um, straightened it out and, and um, she pretty much had her own good medical insurance, but what they, they did do for her, which was eternally grateful, is they helped her at that time to get a hearing aid because what they said, which was true is you know, they could pretty much prove that the noise, you know, of the planes that these women were constantly subjected to, you know, definitely had an impact on their hearing. Just suffered from hearing loss. Yeah, so, hearing loss mm -hmm, because it was mm -hmm, just so loud, you know, mm -hmm. all the time. Did your mom have any lifelong wasp friends? Oh, yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, I, I read about that. Yes. Um, one of her really, really good uh, friends uh, was a woman by the name of Millie Dalrymple. They were actually um, baymates in uh, oh, nice. mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. she was hilarious. Um, I adored her because she was a tennis player like myself. So we always got to exchange tennis stories, but she was just a, a whippersnapper to say the least. And um, so she and mom, yeah, they got along really well and had fun together. How would you describe but their camaraderie between them, their friendship? I think, well, I wouldn't say just not them, but one thing that I've observed for sure when I went back for the, um, the service for mother in February is we noticed that the, just the whole camaraderie in general of everybody mm -hmm. is just, it's like a special, very, very special group of women that all have that in common, you know, um, all have, the fact that and their families, um, which some of the family members actually, you know, did go on to get their uh, pilot's license as well, you know, probably as a result of of um, being exposed, you know, to it. Um, but it was it's just it's almost hard to put into words, really. It's almost unspoken words, really. You know, it's yeah. just the fact that it's that it's I'm going to call it maybe kind of an energy an energy that collectively that everybody was able to share then and that hopefully the surviving families can um you know continue to promote and share that energy now one of the things that i think is most captivating to me because uh, i'm of course i look at the wasp as my heroes and oh, yeah. get, my, my mom isn't a wasp so but as i come to learn about the wasp and, and feel their, you know, to get to know their story. I, I just think that there is a super glue amongst them. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the word. Super glue is perfect. Yeah. And then their sisterhood, um, they're always so humorous. They have a lot of, there's a lot of comedy going on between them, the banters, right? Yeah. The oh, stories yeah, right. they share. 
it yeah. just cracks me up just to listen to that on the sideline. And women 80 years ago doing such courageous and outside of their expected roles, you know, so. Right, exactly. One of mom's favorite sayings was, you know, even after all of her gardening years as well, um, you know, she, like the last thing you're ever going to see me do is knit one and purl two. <laughs> and she <laughs> said, not that I don't have great admiration for people that do that, but mom was uh, a talk about just a, a barrel of energy. You know, she just always had something going, but not necessarily, I would say, Christy, not necessarily in a social way, you know, as much as just a, just constantly wanting to learn new things. Let's put it this way. When at 95 years old, she would work a jigsaw puzzle on her kitchen table. That was a thousand pieces. And when the grandchildren would sit around and even attempt to try to do it, she'd have half her side already finished, you know, and she'd kind of just look up and say like, okay, so, you know, <laughs> now do your part. It's <laughs> taking you so long. Right. right, right. And that, that's about the determination that you talked about that, you know, your yes, mom has and all of the wasp had, yes. they, they do what they had to do. And right. Very impressive. Um, it is so impressive. And, and, you know, we actually had, um, you know, after that movie, uh, what was it? Sully came out the one about uh, where the birds flew into the, um, the propeller and caused a, a kind of a eruption, you know, within the, the, the structure of the plane and he had to land it down in, in, at, in New York, Manhattan Bay there he had to land the plane there and he managed to save all of the passengers every single one of them and i asked her would it real you know is this how much of this is hollywood versus how much of this is you know really true and she goes it's 100 percent true because that's how precarious it is you know when you're mm -hmm. flying right so you're in this humongous machine and so if you just do the slightest little thing wrong, it can go, you know, nose diving down quickly. So, yeah. So I just shared yeah, that. Open, <laughs> yeah, open sky, right? You've got all mm -hmm. kinds of risks going on. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, as a pilot, you had to be calm and cool-headed. Exactly. And to be able to deal with unexpected situations. That's the yeah. first quality of the pilot, a good pilot, right? Yeah. I was just going to say, um, this is a cute little story. During her training, um, so she was flying the, the B-26s and the uh, PT-8s, I believe it is. And so she had a really cute little instructor. And I've got the cutest picture of them. Who They were equally right about the same size. So the, she was trying to land the plane during the training and she couldn't speaking of you no know, noses of the plane and she couldn't figure out quite how she wanted to land it because there really wasn't very much area to land it in at the time. And she goes, well, there is that little patch of water down there. And I think if I can just tilt the nose just enough to land it, you know, in, um, I will be able to, to land this plane. And that's what she's saying to her instructor at the time. And he's like, there's no possible way you can, you're going to be able to land this plane, you know, in a patch of, um, <laughs> little patch of water down there. And she goes, well, I just need to try. That's what I mean by, <laughs> you know, resilience. I mean, she was just like, no, I really think, and it was for her, which is very interesting. And I, I understand how she saw this. It was kind of putting it in at the right angle. And now as I'm even telling this story, I feel like she and I, and whether that's a hereditary factor, I don't know, but I see life, you know, very much as an angle too, whether I'm gardening or playing tennis or, you know, any kind of sport, I can see, you can see it kind of in a different way than just a flat dimensional. And I think that probably all these pilots had to be able to do that, had to have that skill set to be able, as you said, to think really quick, you know, on their feet 
and m perhaps at some many points, you know, make uh, life or death decisions, you know, for themselves while they were up there flying. Mm -hmm. And they're always up for challenge. You know, it's like the instructors, like, okay, I uh, don't do it. It's like the wrong thing to say to to say to a wasp. Yeah, yes, right? exactly. I want to share this story because uh, this is kind of funny too. Not funny, but so so mother, my mom and dad met each other in Nuevo Laredo, and he mm -hmm. was actually in the uh, army, and he had somehow convinced the army because he's always a salesman. You know, once a salesman, always a salesman, <laughs> and he was like one of those greatest salesmen. And even back as a child or young man, and so he told them that he was wanting to study into medical school. And so there was no way that he would be able to be on the fighting line, you know, in the war. So he convinced them of that. And that's exactly what he did. But still, he was considered to be a private. And mother was uh, on her way to being a lieutenant. And the rules were that in terms of courtship, that you could not date down so that she would have that was did you know that so she literally would have had to have dated somebody of her class or above and not down i did not know that yeah and it's, so it's specified in the wasp program or that just i don't know if it's the wasp or the air force but i mean i just know that that's oh. that's when it, it must be in the one you know because that's what um was that's what they said that you you cannot you know, date down. And anyway, she dated down <laughs> and ended up marrying. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that story because, you know, she thought that was kind of interesting. And she was like, I'm very glad I did. And actually, the, the humorous part of the story is that, um, and this is very characteristic of my dad, if I can segue for just a second, because he came to pick up her baymate as a date. So here's, here's, some camaraderie and she was not ready. Mom came to the door and said, said that um, she was getting dressed and she had her hair in curlers, but she would be there in a minute. And he literally grabs her arm and says, Never mind, I'll take you. <laughs> and so I guess that started their whole, you know, secret, <laughs> secret romance. Well, they are still best friends, the baymate and your mom. So I know so you did something that, right. Yeah, they managed to get around that. <laughs> uh, you know, um, one thing I definitely want to say, though, um, in all seriousness, is again, you know, her being meek and not talking a lot about uh, that role of her life. And you know, I think some of it is when the grandchildren came around, and you know, she was, you know busy putting plants in the ground and doing gardening and, you know, uh, all of the other activities that she was involved in. Then in 2010, when they finally got awarded the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor, mm -hmm. um, her, her life changed drastically, you know, and I How would so? say, well, you know, because newspapers would call us and that's when she started doing, you know, talks and presentations and it was a humongous time in her life. I had, my children were all in school at the time and I absolutely took them out of school and we put together a whole family trip to, to, um, to DC to honor her there. They and finally had their well-deserved, even though it was delayed spotlight. They really did. They really did, you know, and um, it's kind of funny. My brother would say, because I, I was down right with her on the floor, but my brother would say all he could see was a sea of gray, you know, because everybody's hair was gray at that time, you know, um, looking at it from his perspective. But it was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then not only that, but, you know, with the help and assistance of Ellen Miller, you know, now the fact that, uh, who is a, um, a, a, you know, Ellen Miller, she's a writer um, uh, like yourself and her grandmother was a wasp. And so she writes a lot about her wasp, you know, her grandmother. Right. Um, I think she is a lady with the book um, about Arlington. Burial. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And she was the one that completely turned that around. 
so that now women um, can uh, ha uh, be uh, buried in the Arlington Cemetery. As a matter of fact, I think her grandmother was one of the first women to be buried as a result of their perseverance and their love for the wasp and their, uh, you know, honor to the country to be buried in the uh, Arlington Cemetery. Yeah, such a great journey <clears throat> finally came to a head. Um, now I want to switch the spotlight on you a, a little bit. Are there okay. any specific qualities of your mom as a wasp that influenced you growing up? Let me think about that. Well, I know, again, her perseverance and determination to succeed as she did in almost everything she did. I feel like one of the biggest messages that she really ingrained in, in all of us was just to never give up. Just don't give up, you know, just keep, keep moving forward in whatever it is that you do and to, you know, put your best foot forward and to do the best that you can do in whatever you do, you know? Mm -hmm. How has your mom's love for flying influenced your family? Did any one of you take up flying, become a pilot? No, not this family. No, nobody. But, but we certainly, you know, honor and, and um, I'm actually trying to find a spot in our home where I can um, kind of create a, just a small area, you know, or an area for her, you know, photos and books and everything where it doesn't end up looking like a museum. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yes. there's so many. I have so many. In fact, the last time that we were there in February, I bought a lot of um, old archives of um, newspapers, et cetera, that she had saved, you know, all the way from back in that time, back in that era. Well, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. So that's a that's a project. <laughs> what I feel like she really instilled in me more so besides the never give up is I have a little landscaping business and I just every single seed I put in the ground, you know, I think of her. Um, it took me forever to be able to go to a nursery because we used to always go to nurseries together and and laugh and pick out plants and, you know, just have fun together. And we both have very different um, <laughs> going unique styles about how we garden because she would always, um, you know, create the spot and then go get the plant. And I'm always <laughs> like a little bit more on the artistic side in that I want, if I see something, you know, that I like in the nursery, then I'll go get it and then just create a spot. But nonetheless, you know, we had the same goal, which was, I think, to, you know, create beauty and uh, around us. Um, she was always that person that would, besides being master gardener and having a green thumb, just wanted peace, you know, really. I think mm -hmm. that's a huge underlying tone of hers. She never liked confrontation in any kind of way and um, just always wanted to, you know, make everybody's world better. Yeah, I heard that also um, the wasp, while they were at the adventure field in training, some of them actually uh, created gardens uh, during the weekends. So maybe your mom was one of them. Oh, maybe. I don't yeah. know anything. I came across stories. Wow. Um, like gardening, suntanning. I saw pictures. So I wouldn't be surprised that your mom was, uh, was one of the wasps that did that. No, I wouldn't either. In <laughs> fact, yeah, the fields looked absolutely beautiful because you know, we were there again in February and the wildflowers were out everywhere. And it's just absolutely stunning, you know, mm. all over on the field. But I got to tell you, you know, spreading her ashes and with that wind, I mean, it was so, so windy that the colonel that, you know, normally just does that ceremony uh, by herself. I asked if I could walk alongside of her and she said, yes. And it, you know, we would just have to really hold tight so the ashes wouldn't just fly everywhere. You know, we, you know, there wasn't any kind of a strategic placing of them because the wind took it over. I mean, that is literally how 
strong the wind was that day, you know? Mm-hmm. I know I was there. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so I have one final question for you, Debbie. Okay. You have interacted with lots of WASP, which is, I considered a, um, a blessing to be able to meet real life heroines like that. What three words would you use to describe your WASP interaction? If you had to describe your experience with them, what words would you use? Heroes now and forever. Can I do a, a, a four words? <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking, what is that little thing called? The and okay, yeah, heroes now and forever. And they are. Their spirits yeah. definitely yeah. are living amongst us. And as we, you know, circle back to that adventure field that day, the wind with their eyes on the sky. That's how I, you know, it's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing your personal moments and, uh, and, and, and funny stories of your mom. I appreciate it. And I, I'm sure our, our listeners would appreciate that as well. They're always okay. forever heroes of us. I will just inter- interject that if you're in North Carolina, um, at UNCG, uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, um, there's a beautiful um, exhibit that has um, some of her uniforms and other uh, important papers and stories there. There's, you know, also a museum in Denton. Don't know the name of it at the top of my head. Um, and then, of course, you know, the wonderful Wasp Museum down in Sweetwater. In Sweetwater, Texas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think you can say enough about any of those people. So it's extraordinary. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Debbie. Again, you're for so, your time. You're and so welcome. Sharing, yeah, and sharing these amazing stories. Like you said, heroes now and forever. Exactly. And I just <laughs> want to thank you so much for, you know, for spending this time together and also for um, helping to keep our stories alive and strong, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and to honor uh, all of those um, beautiful, wonderful people (laughs) that made the decision and made the right choice. I guess that's another thing you could go segue into is just they made that choice and they stuck with it. And, you know, thank God they did because, um, now other women and you know are able to like you said follow in their suit you know mm-hmm. yeah they are our inspiration our real life heroes so thank you so much again debbie thank you that's all for this episode thanks for listening to the adventures in the sky podcast to all of you dreamers and doers Believe in your dreams, for when you dream and do, the sky's the limit. Until our next story, unlock your extraordinary within and live inspired. To join the Flying Phillies Adventure Club, visit www.flyingphillies.com.